0: their old tricks. couple of scoundrels. Here we are. It's a Top 5 Things podcast, a review of what we got done on our morning show. You like that? You like that? <laughs> yes, Kirk Cousins, I do. Let's get into this. Uh, as we look back on what we got done on our morning show, you can hear it every morning on Planet 93.9, uh, along with uh, commercials and sometimes songs. Some songs, some commercials. Let's get started where? How about number one? Number one. 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 Number one. Number one. Today is National Word Nerd Day. It's National Static Electricity Day. National Gluten-Free Day. National Apricot Day. National Clean-Off-Your-Desk Day. And today is Balloon Ascension Day. For it was on this date, January 9th in 1793, that a French balloonist... Jean-Pierre Blanchard flew a hydrogen balloon to a height of 5,800 feet, traveling 15 miles in his 46-minute flight. The event was watched by President George Washington. Huh. That's a thing. Huh? That is a thing. It's... Hey, take a look at that. Yeah, see? Speaking of balloons, uh, I wanted to play a. this is, uh An old clip from the NFL. Yeah. You'll notice your guy, Pat Summerall, doing some narration. Okay. Uh, He's giving us the highlights of a Vikings 49ers game. Yeah. And on this Balloon Ascension Day of all days, I thought this would be a real treat for us. Apparently, the Vikings, they were playing outside. This is years and years ago, and uh, they had some sort of entertainment before the game. Okay. Some things can get out of hand. More than 40,000 watched in disbelief as a hot air balloon carried an 11-year-old boy over the light towers and eventually dumped him in the icy Minnesota River. It was a tough act to follow, but the Vikings and the 49ers managed quite a show of their own. Boy, they just don't... (laughs) It's as if it's just an everyday occurrence. What are you talking about? Before the football game, we thought it would be a good idea to attach an 11-year-old boy. Who had to hang on for dear life. <laughs> and they dump him in the river? And the balloon dumps the kid in the frozen Minnesota River. Do they have what year it is? It's got to be late 60s, early that's, 70s, that's how, right? we used, that's how we used to roll, man. <laughs> that's how we did it. You guys said yeah. that... We did this for a show. Oh, God, Falcon. You just take an 11-year-old boy. That's your pregame entertainment. I have to imagine that <laughs> Dad was helping with the balloon, right? I don't understand. You just don't get a random 11-year-old. <laughs> it's got to be like Dad's balloon, right? Yeah, that's right. Or, or Dad's buddy. <laughs> I don't understand. Just hang on. Everybody... Uh Okay, so this happened in 1969, Darren. Uh Uh-huh. 1969. I was in shock. Vikings halftime hot air balloon disaster. Oh, no. Look at him. Look at him. (laughs) In his downtown Minneapolis law office, attorney Rick Snyder recalls a big event when he was a little boy. He says, I was in shock. Looking back all these many years later one clearly sees there are special moments in everyone's life that define us. He says seeing the ground drop away from underneath oh, me. No. i have never been in a balloon that high before. Of course not. This defining moment came at the old Metropolitan Station on uh, Stadium Metropolitan Stadium December 14th 1969. Snyder says, I didn't know enough to be scared. I was only 11. Yeah, but were you attached to the balloon or were you just hanging on? His parents owned a hot air balloon. Okay, so. And they were going to take part in a show that was going to promote the upcoming St. Paul Winter Carnival. Yeah. Minnesota Vikings were playing the 49ers. All these years later, Snyder still has the large scrapbook recalling that fateful day. 40,000 fans shocked in disbelief. He would be part of a (laughs) Vikings halftime show that would go terribly and dangerously wrong. The plan was that uh, he was going to launch the hot air balloon. They were going to launch a hot air balloon on a 200-foot tether take it up with somebody in it and then take it down the length of the football field yeah. and then put it back down. Yeah. That was the plan. It was it never was supposed tethered. to it was never supposed to leave the stadium. That was the plan anyway, but the balloon didn't lift off the frozen Met Stadium field with Snyder's mom inside the basket. Uh-huh. So she jumped out and the 11-year-old boy jumped in. Okay, so he was in a basket. Yes. He wasn't just hanging on for dear life. <laughs> That makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> it went up, but the problem was it kept going up because the rope connected to it somehow failed. That's when the stadium's snow covered fans watched as the 11 year old boy <laughs> flew solo on <laughs> the hot air balloon up, up, and away. The flight was just seconds old when he narrowly missed the scorching hot stadium lights, which would have spelled almost certain disaster. Spectators thought it was just part of the show that the balloon was supposed to fly out of the stadium, but it was not. Unfortunately, the 11-year-old's troubles were only just beginning. Not only was he flying into the path of oncoming traffic at the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport, but he would disappear into the clouds. Oh, good Lord. The Federal Aviation Administration took immediate action to close all air traffic while Snyder's wayward balloon proceeded to the southeast after a three-mile flight, he was able to release some of the hot air, and the balloon quickly descended, landing into, into the, the river. frigid, slush-filled waters of the Minnesota River. The slushy so the, river. The FAA has to scramble all the jets around Minneapolis-St. Paul. This kid's flying for three miles, where he's not suppo- he was not supposed to leave the stadium. Almost, you know, had a, a tragic explosion there. The basket tips catapulting the 11-year-old Snyder into the Minnesota River. Without his weight, the balloon flew away unpiloted. And then the, then the balloon just goes away. He, After it dips him in the river, it takes off. He says the river was, quote, filled with slush. So I was swimming through slush. With his waterlogged snowmobile suit, boots, and helmet. Oh my God. He would swim 25 yards through the slush to the shore. To his good fortune, a photographer was in the area and soon snapped a photograph of a stunned young boy (laughs) climbing out of the riverbank. Thanks for helping. That man would bring Snyder back to Metropolitan Station, or Stadium, rather, Metropolitan Stadium, where the Vikings' team doctors checked him over and put his wet clothes in a dryer. While all of that was taking place, Snyder's parents remained in hot pursuit of the balloon! We gotta get that balloon! (laughs) The kid's okay. Oh, whatever. Where's the balloon? Keep chasing it. His folks finally spotted the balloon resting in a snow-covered farmer's field. Snyder says, My poor mom and dad wandered out of the field through the deep snow only to get up to the balloon, and I wasn't in it. Oh, that they didn't know. No. Oh, my lord. They lost, so he's... Warming up at the stadium. Yeah. They find the balloon, and the kid's not in it. Oh, Lord. He says they lost it at the time. I bet. With the help of CB radios, the panicked parents were soon told the good news that their son Rick was alive and well, and in the Minnesota Vikings locker room. Man, that is one hell of a Sunday, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that they would soon be reunited, and the happy ending was being told in newspapers across the country. Can you imagine the earful that dad was getting from the mom? <laughs> you and your idiot balloon! Oh, Lord. <laughs> the uh, bu- Now let's go Vikings. <laughs> Snyder says, I feel like I dodged a lot of bullets through that situation. Yeah. Along with some light poles, planes, and chunks of ice. The balloon is on display, by the way, at the Wings Museum of the North. If you're ever in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and you want to... It's the only reason I'd go. <laughs> you... Now, if you were to win that trip that we're giving away on our website yeah. to the Mall of America, uh, the drawing for that is happening next week. You could win a getaway package to Mall of America and a two, uh, two-night two stay at the Radisson Blue. We're also going to throw in... a. Tickets to the Nickelodeon Universe and mini golf at the Mall of America. When you're up there, when you win this thing, which you can do when you go to planet939.com, uh, please, somebody, visit this balloon. I feel, I feel like there's a lot to this story. That Yeah, this kid is 64 years old now. That's great. We are Dave and Darren. And still, the Vikings. <laughs> haven't won a Super no Bowl. No Super Bowl championships. <laughs> We found the balloon. Where's our dear Where boy? Where is he? Oh, he's not in here. Ah. Oh. Number two. two! Two, two, two. They just sold Elvis's jet plane. It's been sitting in a desert for 40 years, collecting dust and sand. Somebody just bought it. The 1962 Lockheed 1329 Jetstar hit the auction block on Sunday... Which would have been Elvis' 88th birthday, by the way. Yep. The, uh, the king's former wife, Priscilla, got involved in this to try and, you know, get people interested. Uh, she says here, uh, Elvis loved planes, and this was one of them. This is my first auction, and I'm excited to be here. Today would have been Elvis's 88th birthday, which has got to make her, what, 50 <laughs> How much uh, she was kind of young. The jet will be something of a restoration project for whoever buys it because uh, the engine's gone and most of the instrumentation was taken out a long time ago. It's going to need as much work as my face. The 61-year-old. She's what? She's not. How old? I, I was joking. Of course she's not 50. No, but then I thought you said 60-something. No, the, the, the plane is oh, the, 61 oh, the years plane. old. Yeah, the plane is 61 years old. It's been collecting dust and exposed to the elements out in the desert. Parked at the Roswell International Air Center in Roswell, New Mexico. Isn't that where the aliens landed? That's right. The winning bid was $260,000, which seems like a lot of money for a plane that, that won't move, move or go anywhere. Uh, but consider this: the jet was previously purchased by Jim Gagaliardi five years ago. Now they just sold it for two hundred and sixty grand. Five years ago, this guy spent four hundred and thirty thousand dollars on the jet. Actually, four hundred ninety-eight when you put fees on top. So this guy spent half a million dollars on a jet. Sold it for a little more than a quarter of a mil. Elvis bought this plane in 1976 for $840,000. In 76? Boy, you didn't really need it then. In today's uh, money, that would be close to $4.4 4 million. Yeah, yeah, he bought this plane the year before he died for a lot of money, and you didn't get a lot of use out of it on account of, well, you know. How, how many planes did he have? Didn't he have a plane called the Lisa Marie? Wasn't that his whole gimmick? I thought that was his golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he have a nice golf cart to drive around Graceland? That's not bad. There's the, in the or, movie, or was it that she had her own? She had her who the, the little girl did? The little girl was driving a golf cart when it was dangerous to do so for a two-year-old. There he is. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Tooling around in his Harley Davidson golf cart. Good looking golf cart. I didn't realize that he really... Elvis had a Harley Davidson three-wheel golf cart that he loved to drive around in. Yeah. Everyone knew that. Shortly after Elvis and Priscilla married in Vegas on May 1st, 1967, the couple spent the next several weeks in Memphis, enjoying time together at Graceland. On May 18th, 1967, Elvis purchased a white Harley Davidson golf cart. From Taylor Harley Davidson. Wasn't that the Lisa Marie? I had no idea Harley Davidson made golf carts. Kick ass golf carts. You kidding me? Harley Davidson began producing three wheeled gas powered golf carts in 1963. They stopped making golf carts in 1982 as the company shifted towards traditional motorcycle sales. I'm going to say that was probably a good move for them. Elvis's two seated gas powered golf cart comes complete with a white. One Elvis license plate. Wow. For years, it was available for public viewing at the MGM Grand Hotel and Casino in Vegas. That must be where you first saw it, huh, Darren? The cart's time in the Vegas Strip might be the closest it ever got to an actual golf course. According to the Graceland website, Elvis rarely played golf. Opting to use the cart for transportation around his sprawling Graceland estate. I wonder what Elvis's uh, handicap was. Probably his addiction to all those pills and all the impacted fecal matter. <laughs> Tell you what, man. Tell you what, I just can't get a good swing on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was—I'm uh, just—I I was hanging out with Gary Player, and he said I need to keep my my head down, and also stop taking fistfuls appeals pills and stop uh, pooping in the sand trap. <laughs> I just can't get How? I can't make any good contact. How great would that be? <laughs> golfing with Elvis? Just no, t- well golfing with Elvis would be awesome, but it's more likely that you could buy his golf cart and just drive around in it. Just just driving around in the King's golf cart, no big deal. You're out there golfing with Elvis and you just hear gunshots. It's just <laughs> just constantly shooting. <laughs> tra- shooting trees <laughs> with his handgun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he likes to shoot trees. Yeah, he gets he gets so so a little too into it, frankly. Oh, winner rules, man. You <laughs> <laughs> out in the, middle, yeah. in the distance, yeah, you d- hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't count that one. Put me down for three, man. <laughs> three? Man. Yeah, you got a problem with that, man? I heard you swing the club eight times in the woods. Yeah, uh, man, put me down for three. Elvis's unique golf cart. Wow. How much did that go for at auction, I wonder? That would be sweet. That would be the greatest thing to ever own. It's a Harley Davidson golf cart that Elvis used to have and drive around in. And he didn't really like to play golf. When this thing uh, went up for auction three years ago, they like to do these auctions right around the time of his birthday. Makes sense. Um... So he would just take it all around the 14-acre property there at Graceland. 14 acres? That's not bad. According to records found from Mr. Presley, the golf cart cost him $1,055. Hell, I've got that on me. The white and beige golf cart was equipped with a two-stroke, 245cc engine, which is currently not in running condition. Even though the vehicle doesn't start, it's still completely original, except for the golf bag holder, which was removed. Hey man, get that gold bag holder <laughs> off that thing, man. The auction for the Harley Davidson golf cart was expected to sell for around seventy thousand dollars, but no one even hit the minimum bid of twenty grand. Huh? So is this thing still it's, available? It's your, well, sounds like it. Along with the golf cart, other items were presented and sold at the auction, including a bracelet that had his name monogram that went for thirty grand. Another item sold was an alpaca vest worn by Elvis which sold for $42,500. I would much rather have his golf cart than an alpaca vest. Now, there was a, an actual, honest-to-God, Harley-Davidson motorcycle that Elvis purchased just three months before he died, a 1976 uh, Electric Glide That sold for $800,000. You know what Elvis Third highest price ever paid for a motorcycle, ever. What Elvis' last words were? No, what? To his girlfriend, whoever that was at the time. I'm going to go do some reading. That's what he said? Yeah, I'm going to do some reading. Was that a code word for take a dump? Well, that's... I don't know what he was reading. Probably like the back of a cereal box. (laughs) (laughs) But... That's the, those were his last words. I'm going to go do some reading. I had no idea. Yeah. that that, that was the last thing he said. Hmm. Elvis Weekly. Hey man, you know that the, you know that there's molasses and peanut butter. I'm just reading the ingredients here. <laughs> Let me ask you something. What is fluffy hydrogenated vegetable oil? What is that? It says rapeseed and soybean. Rapeseed, that's not a thing, man. They're having fun, right? That's not real, is it? Tell you what, man. Do you have any idea there's raisins and A1 steak sauce? Mono and diglycerides in this. I'll be damned. Elvis is gonna be damned. I Had no idea There's so much good stuff in a peanut butter. Yeah, he would like to just take food items and read. The, yeah, just read the, the, ingredients. the ingredients while he's on the throne. Oh man, a lot of saturated fat in this peanut butter, man. This can't be. This is a dangerous amount of potassium for me to be eating every day. <laughs> I gotta make some changes, man. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, honey, I'm getting three uh, percent of my iron. Uh, from the FDA based on a two thousand dollar or two thousand calorie diet now. Come on now, Elvis. He's talking to himself, trying to encourage himself. He was uh some have a ball. Obsessed movement. with expiration dates. <laughs> man, when did we open this this gif, man? How long has this been open? I told you all I want you to I don't write... know why we opened this one when the one was already open. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kick your rotten heads in. How many times do I have to tell you? Finish what. Finish something that's open before you open something else. I don't like it when you people take the good peanut butter, and I, Elvis is left scraping the bottom of it. Now, come on now. This is where I get a lot of my magnesium. <laughs> Just. He just goes onto to the toilet with a couple, of, a couple of jars of peanut butter and a stick. And the stick's not for the peanut butter. Go do, I call this when I go do some reading now. I'm going to go try to slap something loose. Fully hydrogenated vegetable oil. See, I'm getting my vegetables. I know, I know what they're talking about saying I got high cholesterol. i never had high cholesterol in my life. I'll pull your tongue out by the root! Thank you very much. Number three. 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 Down in Missouri, uh, near the, uh, the Ozarks down there. Down Mexico way. <laughs> not, not in Mexico, Missouri, which is a place, by the way. Um, although I guess this isn't that far from Mexico, Missouri not too far from uh, Uranus, Missouri, again a, a real town. Uh, Hillsboro, Missouri is the dateline of this next piece, Darren. The Jefferson County Sheriff's Office is looking for people that w- will uh, be willing to engage in what's known as day drinking. Can you imagine? Mm, what a world. Drinking during the day? They are going to pick up the tab uh, sheriff's office saying here on Facebook, we are buying. Uh-huh. They want you to come and day drink with them. I don't know about this. Wait a minute, it's a trap. <sighs> you you know, it's I think Admiral South. Akbar has a great point. Sounds like. Ah, uh, they say no. This is not a trick. It's not a joke. It's not a trap. The sheriff down there in Jefferson County, Missouri, is one Dave Marshak, and he says this is a way for his deputies to get much needed training. They call it the wet lab, and it's necessary for deputies seeking standardized field sobriety testing certification. I guess in order to give field tests, they have to be certified. Uh Uh-huh. How can you be certified unless you have somebody who's, you know, had a couple of drinks? Well, I know where there's a wet lab. Uh, Where's that? We were there on Sunday. (laughs) Oh, my God, would that be a great name for a bar. Yeah, the Wet Lab. Wet Lab. Oh, man. They put out this call over the weekend on Facebook and Twitter asking people to come down to the sheriff's office. Have a few drinks and let us uh, Mm -hmm. practice on you. All week long, you can partake in alcoholic beverages, and the deputies will give volunteers a ride home, it says. Seriously, we buy, you drink, and we provide your transportation home, not jail. According to the sheriff's office, the catches before the ride home and after one to two hours of drinking, mm-hmm. uh, volunteers these are these are day drinkers will help the deputies test their field sobriety training. Sheriff's office says here you should probably be a casual drinker. And we'll need to have normal balance with no standing or walking limitations. I mean, I guess, yeah, you want casual drinkers because if you have somebody who's Who's got a a, a real tolerance for the stuff. Well, but having said that, if someone's got a real tolerance, Mm -hmm. that could be like master level certification. (laughs) We watched you drink seven beers and yet you're doing the field tests. With the nimbleness of a of a ballerina. A great acrobat. So we'll come back in an hour. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, you could if you got the right people, certification would be like at a black belt level. Right. Right. I not only got (laughs) I not only got the casual drinker, but you see this badge? I got the town drunk with this one. I finally cracked, uh, cracked his code. Training sessions will be conducted today, tomorrow, and Thursday afternoon, and they need three or four volunteers each day. Sheriff's Office is writing here, quote, We can provide wine, beer, or liquor. While we will not be providing Pappy Van Winkle, we promise not to serve you cheap wine or rail liquor. We appreciate our volunteers more than that. Rail liquor? Yeah. That's you, you, you drink that on the rail? That's something the 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 bottle you pass around on the <laughs> on the train? Rail liquor just means it's less expensive. Yeah, I know. Hobo liquor. Yeah, how did it come up with that term? I mean, you like well drinks is what they call them or rail drinks. When I sold beer for a living, all the bars in downtown Iowa City would tell me that They they made all of their money on rail drinks. Like Uh Red Bull knockoffs and rail liquor was what was keeping the lights on in all those places in downtown Iowa City. So you're talking about like vodka and gridlock. (laughs) It was like (laughs) I'm like, so we're talking like Hawkeye vodka and they and they look at me like, Hawkeye vodka? What do you think we are? (laughs) Jeff Bezos? Hawkeye? We're going to spend that kind of money. <laughs> the term rail comes from the fact that the liquors are typically stored on the lower shelves or rails of the bar. Rail drinks are usually cheaper than other alcoholic beverages because they're made from lower quality liquor. It's not something that, as you suggest, hobos drink in boxcars. Although I think I like your explanation better, Darren. After these volunteers with the sheriff's office down there in Missouri drink and socialize, officers will conduct field sobriety checks. If they think a volunteer is over the legal drinking limit, the person will then take a breathalyzer test to determine their level of well, intoxication. You sh- I don't know that you should be able to watch how much I have to drink. Hmm. Right. No, 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 no. It should no. be a blind. Uh... No. Right. This wet lab is not new. They say this has been the standard for law enforcement certification for decades. So this happens everywhere. This isn't and just a Missouri thing, huh? you could have, you could also invite people down that, that don't drink, but mm-hmm. you could be a part of it. You're the placebo. <laughs> the, well, you have to have. Look, a control group. It, a control group is necessary for any yeah. laboratory experiment. I wouldn't want to be that guy. I mean, it's one thing. When mm, you then, have, mm, they call me... The placebo. I'm the control group. <laughs> it's, it's a real bummer to be the designated driver, although a necessary component of, of your weekend fun. Or stay home. But to be the, the killjoy at this thing, just drinking Sprite the whole time. They say this is a fun experience, but also a professional environment where officers are being evaluated by trained professionals. Volunteers cannot have any alcohol-related arrests or pending criminal cases. You also cannot be on any prescription medications that should not mix with alcohol. Right. Something to consider. But you say this goes on everywhere. That, well, that's what they say. Hmm. The, I know. I know. I would love to. If any uh, local law enforcement like to invite Darren and I to a wet lab, we would uh, be happy to partake. However, I guess that's we. It does go against our "no field tests" motto. Well, this is just all practice, right? You know, practice. There's no reason we couldn't get better at it too. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I don't see why this uh, this isn't how you know we could. Mm -hmm. uh, Start our weekend (laughs) at the wet lab. Uh huh. We'll have you home by by three o'clock. Gosh, kick off for the three o'clock games. What a what a sight that would be for the neighbors. Me getting poured out of a cop car. Uh huh. Every Saturday, drunk as a skunk at four in the afternoon on a Friday. And the officer thanking me as he deposits me on the driveway, and handing you a happy big, to help you guys, and then handing you a big wad of cash. <laughs> I don't think they're paying. You're a volunteer. They're not. They can't pay you to drink. You're, oh. you're getting paid with drinks. Oh no, they can't. <laughs> now, now you're what making about a it. gift card. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that might be something else. Oh, cool. A gift card. (laughs) I I got a $5 gift card to Walgreens. Hey, I'll take it. (laughs) See you next Friday, boys. I mean, oh, I can help. Number four. I've got a review of people who have questions for advice columnists. Mm Mm-hmm. Got some doozies Not for Not asking week. the general public. Right. Asking this, uh, trained professionals. Right. This isn't Am I a Jerk? This is people writing people who do advice columns. Uh, one of our favorites to look at is Ask a Manager. These are people with workplace-related questions. How can I get my boss and coworkers to stop barging into my home multiple times per day? I need your help. What kind of me? setup is that? <laughs> I need your help in reclaiming my home. I am an employee at a small consulting company, my boss plus three employees. We all live in the same small town, and I often see my boss and coworkers at social functions around town. We each work from our homes, and there is no central office. I live in a very convenient location right downtown, and this has led to my house being used as the central location for the business. For example, my home functions as a place for people to exchange work materials, and a place to meet up and park vehicles before working out of town. If my boss wants to meet in person, he invites himself to my house. He does Zoom calls from my house because I have better internet than he does. He also makes me store large pieces of equipment. When I pushed back against this, he said it's because I have a large house and garage while he lives in a small apartment. I had to train a new hire in my dining room over the course of five days. One of my colleagues, who I considered a friend before she was hired here, has started imposing even more by asking me to make her coffee, asking to borrow clothing from me, and storing personal belongings at my place when we go on work trips. She's also using my bathroom twice a day, a few days a week when we meet at my house to start a day or work out of town, and when we get back after the workday to pick up her car. I've dealt with some of this occasionally by saying no or coming up with excuses such as my husband's taking a nap so he can't come over, or I ran out of coffee filters so let's meet at the cafe instead. I also suggested that my boss rent a local co-working space, but he said that's too expensive. My boss and colleagues aren't getting the hint that I want my house to be off-limits to them. Uh Uh-huh. Now I'm considering having a meeting with my boss to set some boundaries. Ideally, I would not want anyone at my house anymore for any reason. I'm happy to have my home office where I complete my work, but I don't want my boss or colleagues to be at my house anymore, period. Not even for non-work reasons at this point. How do I graciously set this boundary without seeming rude or unwelcoming? It's been going on for a year and a half. And I've started job hunting, but in my small isolated town there aren't a lot of opportunities. Well, I figure you got two options, right? Yeah, and those are Move. <laughs> yeah. Or find another job. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, a- Allison Green at Eska Manager says it's not reasonable for your boss to assume your house can function as a central office hub. Yeah, you need to But yeah. You really only have two options. You you really do. You've gotten yourself into quite a little pickle here. You've let here, this go you? on long enough <laughs> that uh... Is it normal that my sister-in-law wants all the mothers attending her wedding to wear a specific color and style of dress? <laughs> my husband's sister is getting married in a year. She's requiring all of the mothers at her wedding to wear a specific color and style and dress. I'm not in the wedding, so I assume that as a wedding guest, I'd be allowed to pick out my own appropriate dress. However, I was recently told by my mother-in-law, her mother, that the bride also wants me and the two sisters-in-law to wear the same color and style of dress as the mothers. I was quite surprised since I've never heard of a bride requiring people that weren't in the wedding to buy a specific color and style of dress. What kind of kink is this? i have seven weddings to attend next year. So I was going to buy a couple of new dresses for the year and rewear them since different groups of people will be at different weddings. This now requires me to buy a specific type of dress I would not usually buy. I understand this when I'm a bridesmaid, but I have no such role in this wedding. This comes off as really controlling to me and has not made me feel great because the way I was informed was strange. My mother-in-law mentioned it to me multiple times over the course of one day. I got married this past year and I didn't dictate what any of the in-laws or mothers had to wear to our wedding. Is this an unusual ask? Why would you think that she wants to do this? I don't know. So that you can use the mothers as like... to police children? (laughs) seems weird that they would have it's like, like a police squad it's a uniform yeah yeah it's like uh, get one of them over there yeah to round up the kids and you know have them cool it i guess why is... would you think she'd want it this way I, it doesn't make any sense to me do you think that you're somehow what's a possible reason outside of being i can't fathom a police squad yeah i can't fathom like, why would, why aren't you ask? are you asking the dads to wear certain outfits? Like, I want everybody that's a dad to wear red slacks. Uh, that's a good way to get your ass kicked, asking for something like that. Amy Dickinson here says, uh, you gotta say no to this. And you, you tell her, I'll, I'll sit in the back of the venue and I won't be there for pictures, but I'm not wearing this outfit, this is ridiculous. After losing a bet with a friend whom I relentlessly trash-talked, how can I get out of following through on the terms of the bet? <laughs> how do I get to welch out of bet? Boy, I played this one up. One of my good female friends graduated from a rival college of mine. Uh-huh. We love talking smack about who has the better football team. Yeah. When her school loses games, I gloat. One time this year, I said her school had zero chance of winning against my school. I did this level of trash talking for two months, practically daily. She said that if I was so confident, then I should put it online. I told her to name the stakes, and she said if my school lost one game in particular, starting January 1st, I'd have to post a new picture of myself on social media in a thong every day for the year, holding a sign that says, My school sucks. What kind of bet is that? Well, my school lost, and it was never close. She texted me during the game Talking Smack, and I said, well, that bet was just a joke. And she said, no, it was not. And that she will show all of our friends our text receipts. I'm worried what people will say if I start posting the kind of content we discussed. My friends from high school and college, plus my coworkers, would all see it. Is there a way I can get out of this? Wow. And just taking one picture and having it up for the year doesn't satisfy Every her? Every day a new picture and a thaw. Uh, who, Every makes, who makes a bet like that? <laughs> You're a lunatic. <laughs> it seems like a very strange bet. Uh, in this case, the uh, advice columnist says, uh, you got to negotiate with this person. Assure her that if the game had gone in your favor, there's no way you would actually expect her to post these photos online either. Perhaps a happy medium would be, uh, wearing her team's spirit wear instead of your alma mater. But not every day. Yeah, it seems it does seem like a very, very bizarre bet. I mean, I don't even have a problem with the idea of, you know, getting in the thing one time. Right. But I'm going to do this. This is how I start my day every, every day. Every day. Not a chance. I want to <laughs> see every day. I want to see the look on you your You don't face. make you don't, oh boy. Your defeated look. You can every see. Every day is... The first thing I go, when I wake up in the morning, I run to my phone to uh, see the new picture of you in a thong looking like a loser. And I can see on the look on your face, you're sliding into a very dark place (laughs) (laughs) that that could get dangerous, maybe. (laughs) I need for this bet to be more a call for help than anything. (laughs) That's my thing. That's what I'm into. Total, A humiliation that will break you body, uh-huh. mind, and soul. And you don't know how I might react. Last one. Am I overreacting for wanting to call the cops on neighbors who are walking around their house naked? I've heard and read stories about neighbors who forget they're in the buff while walking around their house without window coverings. Yeah. I never thought I would encounter it in my own neighborhood, though. Last week, I got proved wrong. When I was taking my second-grader son and neighbor's fourth-grade kid to the bus stop, we were waiting on a corner to cross the street, and I heard giggles from the two boys who had stopped in their tracks to stare at the woman and man walking back and forth in the picture window. Get a load of them. Neither of them had on any clothing. I could not believe what I saw. I grabbed the boys and headed onto the bus stop, where another mom asked what was going on. Why were the boys giggling? When I told her, she burst out laughing. But I don't find this situation so funny. If people want to be nude in their own homes, I don't care. But for God's sake, don't prance around where everyone can see you. My husband also found this funny, but I want to call the police to report it. Am I overreacting, or is everyone else underreacting? What are the actual laws for walking around your house, uh naked where people, you know, could see it in front I think, of one. I think it depends on where you live. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the advice columnist here is Susan Ryder. Uh, she says you should research public nudity laws in your area yeah. before you call the police. Right. Have some information. Quote, you may discover that your uninhibited neighbors are perfectly within their rights to be nude, even if visible from outside their home. Yeah. Provided they're not crossing the lines into behavior that would legally be defined as lewd or obscene only if you're doing it right. I think that's it. I think that the I mean it just depends on look, where you're this, at, huh? And it depends on what you're doing. Right. If, if you're, you're walking, just walking from a walking from the shower to your bedroom, mm-hmm, that's one thing. But if you're putting on a show. Yeah. Right. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right? I mean, if you're I making just, that noise... And like and have it pressed up against that's, uh, the windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're putting them on the glass for the neighborhood, <laughs> right. that's going to get you... That's going to be... There's different degrees quite of rightfully nakedness. Ar- yes, yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> if you're making the... <laughs> noise then you will be, I hope, I should hope, prosecuted yeah. to the fullest extent of the law. It sounds like you've got Ric Flair over there. Right. If you're playing the saber dance while you're... <laughs> Popping balloons. Juggling things. Yeah, juggling. That's not great. I don't know I don't know how to help you out of that situation. Uh, juggling melons. <laughs> five. 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 Number five. The national championship game for college football was last night. And it was over... Pretty quickly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ha ha! Yeah. Worst margin of victory in a bowl game. Not in a national championship game. Since they've been doing bowl games, the Rose Bowl was what, 1902? When did that start? There has never been a beating like that in any bowl game ever. Having the game on a Monday night, I still need someone to explain to me because... From what I understand, it doesn't do the bars or restaurants no, any favors. No, they would actually uh, they have a decent complaint. Does them no good at all. If it were on a Saturday night, you could have a, a, a whole party around it. But you're telling me that Monday primetime, you can get a bigger dollar than Saturday primetime. Uh, that doesn't make any sense Why? You can charge what you want to charge, no, can't you? It's a national championship game. Exactly. Now, the game took place at the SoFi Stadium. Did it rain? Well, it's a, was it raining. It's a dome stadium. I thought it was. Uh... It is raining in all over California right now. So probably, I mean they're they're under flood watches. Basically, the entire state of California at the moment is under a flood watch. But they had a dome stadium, so that wasn't a wasn't an issue. What was an issue, though, was all of the fans for TCU and Georgia who made their way to SoFi Stadium to watch this national championship game, Yeah, when they got there, they found out. There's, oh, yeah, you couldn't tailgate. There's a no tailgating policy. No tailgating policy for a college football game. And that's, Okay. And that's the same? There's no tailgating for the, the Ram games or the Chargers games? I mean, there must not be. Huh. Yeah, they have a note to policy. It's like, no, you policy. get in here and pay these prices. Well, and by these prices, what do you think a beer went for last night? Well, if they wanted you inside the, I'll say a beer was $18. Oh, wow. You're close. I can actually get you a little bit of a better deal, Darren. 17 bucks. <laughs> $17 for Ugh. a beer. There's a picture inside the venue asking, uh, well, $17 is for a premium option such as Modelo and Pacifico. $17 beers. So, no tailgating. And once you get in here, it's like 20 bucks a beer. Unbelievable. Um, What do you think that would have been like if you were a TCU fan going to that game? Because we all got to well, turn the I was game a... off at, at the halftime, but what if you had spent like thousands of dollars to get out there to watch that game? If I was a game? TCU fan, yeah, I'd really have to question myself. <laughs> Just You're saying even without the outcome of the game. Yeah. What am I doing? <laughs> what, what is this? Team went 5-7 last year. And now you're at the national championship game with your $17 beers, and you're no tailgating, and you're going to get beat like that. Georgia pulled their quarterback from the game at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I mm-hmm. uh, just, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't see how you... The idea of tailgating being prohibited, I don't understand that at all. That seems like... I mean, I know, I know why they're doing it. They took him out so they could get him to his senior housing <laughs> before the doors close. National championship attendees not allowed to tailgate due to a policy at SoFi Stadium. Fans are forbidden from any pregame festivities. Which I suppose Los Angeles fans really don't have a problem with. They don't tailgate in LA. We 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 weren't going to show up until the game started anyway. They also uh, did not allow RV parking. Right, because if you got an R- RV, we know which, what's going on in w- the RV. Which <laughs> you're sucks, tailgating, which sucks if the, if that's how you got there. Right. What? Well, then where do I get to park? Yeah, um, uh, Oakland, <laughs> huh? Parking at SoFi Stadium. It says on-site parking for the national championship, very limited with a select number of $75 digital permits for automobiles, $200 for buses, plus processing fees, 75 bucks to park your car. You can't do anything while you're there in the parking lot other than get out of your car, get inside, to pay God knows how much for your tickets, $17 $17 for your beer, and the game sucks. Biggest game on the calendar for college football, and there's no tailgating. That needs to be rethought, although it won't be, because what do they care? Have they talked about where this neutral site might be for the AFC, your, your championship? AFC championship game? Well, I know that they had offered it to Indianapolis that they would they were going to play the game at Lucas Oil Stadium, but Indianapolis uh, so said we've got stuff going on. We got too much going on now. A lot it, of conventions are going it, on. Would it Can't have to take it. place at an AFC venue? I I don't think so. And wouldn't you think that you have to put it in a place that is? relatively the same distance from both teams? I would think that that would make sense. And then you would probably wanna go ahead and if you're gonna do a neutral site, yeah. let's just take the weather out of it, right? It should be a dome. I think that's why it, they chose Indy. I mean, cause let's face it, it's, it's probably gonna be between the Chiefs and the, and the okay, Bills, so, right? Okay, so let's say it is the Chiefs and the Bills. You can do Detroit. Detroit seems to have no problem getting people in and out for for games. Buffalo's already played a game in Detroit this year. Yeah, but Detroit's pretty close to Buffalo. A lot, cl- well, maybe not that much closer than Kansas City. There has been some suggestion that it might be Las Vegas. Okay, Vegas would be, um, it's AFC. Mm-hmm. You cannot now. You you, can, you there are some. Domes that you have to take off the table, and those would be domes that, in theory, could be used that day. So, like, you can't say Minnesota. You can't say Dallas, right? Because those teams are already in the playoffs. You can't—they could be—in theory, those could be the sites for the NFC championship game. Yeah. By the way, if the Colts were to have won the the (laughs) AFC— Would they have not been able to play the game because they got too much stuff going on? Yeah, we got the trade show in town. That seems that seems weird. So yeah, they have to figure out a venue that will be available. Um I guess. Now let me ask you this. Vegas makes the most if sense. If you were a Buffalo Bill or yeah. a Kansas City Chief, yeah. Which would you prefer? Because I think they should probably allow this option. Would you rather play at a neutral site? Or would you be willing to take a 50-50 chance with a coin flip and have the game at your place? No, you can't do that. You can't do that. Why? Uh, because you're going to make half of the fans furious. Then they're going to Well, yeah, s- but if the team votes, mm. If the team votes and says, this is what we would prefer to do, sorry, fans, we're trying to give you a chance to have it at home. Right. We're trying to give you a 50-50 chance look, of having it at home. Look, there were, there were rules in place for, um, for overtime, rules that were established rules in place for overtime. And when it didn't work out to our satisfaction when the Bills and Chiefs played each other in the playoffs, everybody moaned and said, well, well these it. rules I'm don't saying, make any sense. I understand sense. people are going to moan, but I'm yeah. just saying if you were a player, yeah, would you be willing, or, or, or are you just like, eh, you, you, know, neutral site's fine by me? I would prefer a neutral site, I think. You're asking me to think like I'm an NFL player, uh, well, which is I mean, a yeah. hilarious uh, proposal but i think you got it you got to do the neutral site that's something that they probably need to get figured out here because there's a lot of heavy lifting and planning that you've got to get done if you were an nfl player what do you think you'd play i think you'd be what like what position would i play mm-hmm. kicker probably mm, i would say maybe a possession receiver long, nothing nothing but button hooks long, long snapper maybe i don't know short snapper that's is that a thing because that seems easier to me than doing it the long way. <laughs> well, typically they don't sh- typically sh- short snaps aren't for kicks. If Buffalo loses, this whole thing is taken care of. If Buffalo loses, If Buffalo loses, we don't have to worry about neutral sight. <laughs> All right, so then that's what the Chiefs are wishing for. Right. Buffalo's playing Miami, right? Giving like 10 and a half. Yeah. Go Buffalo Bills. Oh, what a relief it is to not have cover five over our heads. As much fun as that is to play. It takes a toll. I can just watch the game and just enjoy it and not... You don't have any action? I can't believe that. Look, well, I'm going to have some action, but that'll be between me and the app of my choice. Oh, a little bit of skin in the game, but not not the cover. Look, I can lose a couple bucks on a game. I don't have to sit here and take it on the air. I can, just, I can just throw a couple bucks away or make a little bit of money. As opposed to giving it on the air. That's what I'm saying. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. I didn't think it would be like this. Uh, no one did. No one, no one could have known. Dave and Aaron's top five things. There you go. Those were the top five things we did on our morning show. Thanks for listening to this. Subscribing, downloading, all of it is very much appreciated. Until we get a chance to do it for you again, hang loose, cooks. You stay classy and safe, Quad City. Come on, Quad Cities represent. This is for the Quad Cities rep, spot. Davin Ford, yeah, we keeping it locked. Rock on, come on, and it just don't stop. East Moline, yeah, they keeping it hot. Hi, this is Art Linkletter. Thanks for listening. Stand clear of the closing doors, please.